listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. And I'm going to give you something that, that the Lord put in my, my spirit this morning. That, and you saw it in the title where I said, um, don't make this mistake or don't get this wrong. Don't get this wrong. Um, I want to I want to deal with this as we jump into February, first day of February. And uh, this this is what we're talking about. Don't get this wrong. And so if you haven't shared it, take a minute to share it, because this is this is an important thing. And I'm going to tell you why. One of the things that I see throughout the body of Christ that caught, and of course, many of you that have been connected with our ministry, this may have been one of the first times that you've ever heard a, a preacher, teacher preach that uh, you don't have to go through the struggle. You know, we don't declare the struggle is real. As you know, we declare the struggle is over in Jesus name. Now, if you're watching, I know some people are listening on the podcast, but if you're, if you're watching and this was one of the first ministries you ever heard teach that you don't have to go through the struggle and that that's not God's plan. Throw a hand up in the comments. I'd love to see who you are. If that was kind of a new thought process for you, that you don't, you don't have to go through the struggle, that that's not your story, that the power of God will keep you from the struggle. Um, very interested to see who that is, but, um, one of the things that I see happening in the body of Christ, see there's Ed, uh, Jasinski, <clears throat> and I know there's others because people have told us like, man, I've never, I've never heard it said like that. I've never heard that taught. I've always been taught. There's Pat Blay, Rose, uh, many people, um, Letty, many people have said that to me. Like I've never heard it from that perspective. We've always been taught and told that you have to learn how to deal with whatever life serves you up. And then you got to learn how to live with it. And many people have told me that. And, um, but I want to say this, that in the body of Christ, I notice this issue or this problem. Like Rose said, I, that's my first time. And I've been saved 25 years. Think of that. Melissa says, yes. Juanita says, yes. Jessica Burton said, someone recently said from a pulpit that if you're not living in turmoil, then you probably aren't right with God. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> Interesting. Erica, that is crazy. So, so think of this as I'm kind of going through the body of Christ and I, I have the privilege of traveling to and ministering at a bunch of different churches, not only in this country, but in other nations. And, um, one of the things that I would say is the biggest enemy to constant victory. And that's what I'm talking about today. Don't get this wrong, especially as we're running through 2021. You might be new to uh, the Miracle Word daily broadcast. You might be new to the Victory Tribe, but don't get this wrong. Because here's the thing I see people get wrong, that this is the roadblock to that life of never ending victory and having an understanding that you're in position for never ending overflow, never ending increase, never ending victory, that you don't go from faith to crisis to faith. You go from faith to faith, from victory unto victory. And so <clears throat> I want to deal with this today. And if you have your Bible, I want you to uh, go with me to uh, the book of Ephesians. And, um, I'm going to show you something that, that will truly, truly help you stay in this place, stay in this place of never ending victory. Now, everything that we receive from God, we receive by faith, but in order to believe and receive those things by faith, we first have to hear them. Now that that's an interesting, um, concept because you can't believe what you've never heard, right? In fact, Paul, the apostle makes that argument in Romans chapter 10 about the gospel. 
And he says, how can they believe in someone of whom they've never heard? How can you believe on Jesus if you've never heard of Jesus? That's the point that Paul's making. How do you believe in Jesus if you've never heard of Jesus? And then he breaks down the whole uh, Romans road to salvation in chapter 10 and talks about the fact that, uh, you know, that's why it's so wonderful that preachers are sent to preach the good news. And that's why it's written, how beautiful are the feet of them who bring the gospel. And so it's, uh, it's very interesting because unless you've heard it, you can't believe it. And one of the reasons that people don't understand this concept and they don't understand this mindset is they've never been taught it. And we just went over that. You lifted your hands in the comments section and said, really, you're the first ministry I've ever heard uh, preach that truth, that you don't have to struggle, that you can have never ending increase, never ending victory. Well, yes. And, and one of the things that I want to deal with today, actually the main thing, this is the roadblock. And that's why I had you turn to Ephesians 1. Don't get this wrong. Because if you get this thing wrong, it crushes all hope of never-ending increase, never-ending victory, faith unto faith. You understand? And so I'm going to show it to you. We're in Ephesians 1. Paul writing. I'm going to kind of just read the end of the first chapter of Ephesians 1, starting in verse 16. So this is Ephesians 1.16. Don't miss this. You can put these up in the comments if you want. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Talking about, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, the saints there. I remember you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now, watch this. I'm going to connect these to you now. Verses 20 through 23, we're connecting together for ourselves to understand this. I'm going to read that part again, verse 20, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he's put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. That's us, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now look at verses... uh, chapter two, verses five and six. And that's where I'll kind of conclude Look what it says. And even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ by grace. You've been saved. Look at verse six and then raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Notice this. He's not going to raise us up to sit with him. He already did raise us up. Do you see that? In fact, those watching, put it in the comments. I'm not going to be raised up. I am raised up. Amen. Put it in the comments and never, ever forget it. Christ's head is not severed from his body. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be raised up. I'm already raised up. Put that in. Put that in the comments. I'm not, and write it in your notes. Highlight these verses in your Bible. I'm not going to be raised up. I'm already raised up. Thank you, Jesus. That's right. And so, all these years ago, when this was written and inspired by the Holy Spirit, 
the Bible says that when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ and by grace you've been saved and raised us up with him in heavenly places, seated with us in heavenly places. So understand something that if you're in Christ, you're not going to be raised up. You already are raised up. Hallelujah. Well, raised up where? I'm going to read you where you're raised up. You're going back to chapter one. You are raised up far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that's named, not only in this age, but the one to come. And all things are under your feet. Glory to God. They're under your feet, not just under Jesus' feet. They're under your feet. Listen, the only way that they would only be under Jesus' feet is if he was the only one who was raised up and seated in heavenly places. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2, 6. So I want you to see it. Christ isn't up there alone. Christ's head is not severed from his body. Hallelujah. Christ's head is not severed from his body. The Bible says in back to chapter one, verses 22 and 23, and he put all things under Jesus feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. So we are the body of Christ. We are his body. We're not separated from the head and the head's not separated from us. If the head is seated up in heavenly places, the body is also seated up in heavenly places. I mean, think about it. I'm sitting on this stool today. My head is seated here, but guess what? The rest of my body is seated here. My feet are actually up on the stool. I'm not even touching the platform. I'm seated above the platform. I'm actually seated above the main floor of the sanctuary. And so right, right now, it's not just my head that's raised up. My whole body is raised up. That's how it is. I want you to understand something. We're not victims down here on the earth while Christ is victorious up there in heaven. That's not how it is. That's not how the Bible teaches it, and that's not how it works. We're not victims down here on the earth while Christ is victorious up in heaven. No, we are with him, united. Glory to God, united. And if we're united, we've been made one, and being made one, we are where he is. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Now, Marjorie brings up a point that many people misconstrue. Marjorie on Facebook says, I've heard it said that if you're not being persecuted, you are not living right. Now, let's break this down because here's where uh, many Christians fail to understand what's going on. Persecution is not the same thing as the attacks of the devil that come against your covenant. I want to make this very plain, very plain. Persecution for being a Christian or persecution for preaching the gospel, any of those things, or loving Jesus, that's not the same thing as attacks of the devil that come against you and come against your covenant or contradict your covenant with Christ. So for example, sickness coming against your body is not the same as persecution for being a Christian. Um, Poverty and lack coming upon your finances is not the same as persecution for being a Christian. So, All of these attacks, depression, anxiety that comes against your peace, your joy, whatever. Anything that contradicts your covenant is an enemy of God and 
something that Jesus' blood has purchased freedom from. But on the other hand, you've got persecution for being a Christian, which Jesus prophesied would happen to all of his children at one point or another. And so he said this, he said, if they hated the master of the house, they're going to hate you too. If they hated me, they're going to hate you too. And he actually said this, you'll be hated all over the world for my namesake. Think about that. Welcome from Pakistan, Islamabad. Um, Think about that. You'll be hated all over the world for my namesake. So that is a prophecy from Jesus, but it's not the same thing as sickness or disease or poverty or lack or depression or anxiety or any of these issues that Christ redeemed you from. He didn't redeem you from persecution. Understand that he did not redeem you from persecution. He redeemed you from the attacks of the devil that come against what he purchased for you. Oh, hallelujah. You know, you don't have, you're not a slave to sin anymore. The Bible teaches because he brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So now you're not a slave to sin. You're not a slave to sickness. You're not a slave to disease. You're not a slave to depression. You're not a slave to anxiety or fear. You're not a slave to poverty and lack and not enough. All of those things have been defeated by Jesus Christ. And the anointing makes the difference. The anointing of God makes the difference. Now, don't intertwine those things because you'll start to think, well, you know, that's what happens. Christians, the enemy just constantly comes again. No, 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 no. Jesus shed his blood so that you could be free from sin. He shed his blood so you could be free from sickness. He shed his blood and gave you power so that you could be free from depression and anxiety and fear and panic attacks and suicidal thoughts. He gave you power and a system of a covenant system to be blessed, sowing and reaping. And so I want to encourage you, know the difference, but don't get this wrong. If we don't understand that we've got authority in Christ, then we have to believe that, you know, well, things are coming and we don't know. Maybe it's God sending it to us. Maybe he's teaching us a lesson. Maybe he's, uh, you know, maybe he's just, maybe he's taking us through this for a purpose. Maybe he's taking us through this for a reason. You know, maybe the Lord's using this sickness to make me a stronger believer. That's what people start to think. And I know you guys have heard those uh, thoughts before, those things said by people, but it's not scriptural because that's not what God does. Let me give you uh, an example that'll help you to just see this by common sense, right? The Bible says uh, in Hebrews chapter one, and in fact, I'll read it to you um, so you can hear exactly what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter one and verse three, this is a vital scripture to highlight, to mark in your notes, underline it in your Bible. This is about Jesus. This, what I'm about to read you is about Jesus. Listen, the Bible says he is, this is again, speaking of Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God. Now watch. And the exact imprint of his nature, God's nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Hebrews 1, 3. Now, Ed says, I've heard it said, or the, and I've heard this said as well, without a test, there's no testimony. Well, I, I'm not saying that that's not true, Ed. You know, the, it is scriptural to be challenged. It's just unscriptural to be defeated. We're not saying that Christians won't be tested. We're not saying you throw life into cruise control and there's no uh, friction the devil tries to send or attacks that he tries to launch at you. I'm not trying to claim that there's nothing that'll come against you. 
That's not what the Bible teaches. Um, but as you are overcoming, you see, um, that's why the Bible says, brothers, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Book of James. Why? That the trying of your faith works patience. So faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more proficient you become with using it. It grows by hearing the word of God. And then as you put it into action or use it, faith without works is dead being alone. As you use it, you become more proficient with using it. You get more of it by hearing God's word preached and taught, preached and taught, preached and taught. But understand you're still required to fight the good fight of faith. It's just that. And here's the main difference. People who don't understand authority in Christ, they might have the expectation. We win some, we lose some. I mean, literally that's, that's how they think. We win some, we lose some. That's just how life goes. Got to roll with the punches. And maybe if we lose some, it's actually the Lord trying to teach us a lesson. Maybe it's the Lord actually, you know, trying to make us depend more fully upon him. Maybe he's uh, humbling us. You know, we hear those kinds of things. It's not in the Bible. This is why that I read to you Ephesians 1 or uh, Hebrews 1, 3 a moment ago. Let me read you the first part again before I teach you what I mean by it. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. And here's the important part, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So let me stop there. Now, after you've read this verse, can you understand why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Let me let that sink into your spirit real quick. Do you catch it now? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. You know why? Because they're one and the same. They're not. Notice. Jesus didn't come down to the earth to do different things than what his father's doing. He wasn't in rebellion to his father's plan or nature. The Bible says he's the exact imprint of his nature. Carbon copy. He is one and the same. In fact, carbon copy is not even a great uh, way to say it because the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So it's not like he's a copy of God. He is God. He is God. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I don't watch this and think that I don't believe in the Trinity. I do. I am a Trinitarian. I do believe in the Trinity. I'm showing you the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that he never deviated from the agenda and plan of his heavenly father who sent him into the world, the Bible says. So catch this. If he never deviated from the plan and he was always the exact imprint or yeah, exact imprint of God's nature, then watch, because here's what will get you to understand this so powerfully. Everything Jesus did was exactly what the Father wanted done. See, people always bring that up, Fernando, but Paul's thorn in the flesh was not sickness, nor was it disease. It wasn't either one. And the Bible doesn't say that it was either one. So it's not, it doesn't pertain to what we're talking about. It says it was actually a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him, but it wasn't sickness. And it wasn't as some people try to teach problems with his vision or eye problems. It had nothing to do with that. And so if now watch, here's the powerful thing. How many people in the Bible do you see Jesus interact with that say, Jesus, we would like you to heal us. And Jesus says to them, actually, now I am the healer, but in your case, in your case, my father 
has put this sickness on you for his own purposes, to teach you a lesson, to strengthen your trust in him, to get you to lean on him, to humble your heart. How many times in the New Testament, in the gospels, do you see that happen when somebody comes to petition Jesus for healing? You see it happen zero times, zero times. And I want you to think this for any, or, or think about this for anybody that would believe that sometimes God uses these things, whether it's sickness, disease, depression, whatever it might be, poverty. Sometimes God uses these things to teach his children a lesson. Well, if that's the case, then why do we never, ever see that happen in scripture? Never. We don't see it one time because notice if God put it on them for that purpose, why was Jesus taking it off them? That would be rebellion. Do you see that? That would be rebellion. No, but see, understand Vicky's Vicky asked the age old question that every single person asks when you teach this subject. But what about the story of Job? What about the story of Job? God, how God allowed the devil to destroy him. God allows what we allow. Do you know what Job said? He said, the thing that I have greatly feared has come upon me. Fear, by the way, is a sin. If you didn't know Romans 14, 23, anything that does not come from faith or proceed from faith is sin. Fear is a sin. It's saying that God can't do what he said he would do. It's a sin. And Job said, the thing that I have greatly feared has come upon me. And for you to compare your life in a New Testament context with the old covenant story of Job, who, by the way, by the way, Job wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile. Wasn't a Jew. Think about that for a minute. Even in the rabbinic, even in rabbinic literature, they call him the prophet of the Gentiles. Rabbis called Job the prophet of the Gentiles. So here's a dude. And we don't even really know. Here's the thing. When you talk about Job, we don't even really know what time period that he was living in. And we know he wasn't a Jew, but we don't know what time period. We don't know. Some people say that it was somewhere between Noah and Moses, but we don't know. Bible doesn't tell us. And being that he's not a Jew, but here's the interesting thing though. He did have some sort of a covenant with God because he gave sacrifices unto God. Very weird story, but it's so old. We don't even know if he was living under the Mosaic law, which he wouldn't have had to because he's not a Jew. So to compare Job and his story, God just said, you know what? Here's a man who does his very best to live uh, a set apart, righteous lifestyle. He hates wickedness and I've blessed him for it. I've blessed him for it. And so think about this. God blessed him and Job's entire story of the devil attacking him lasted about 18 months, 18 months. And then by the end of it, you know what happened? God blessed him with a double portion of what he had before. But to use Job as some kind of a, a comparison to what we have now under Jesus is just straight foolishness, straight foolishness. God allows what we allow. He, that's what dominion's all about. It's what dominion's all about. You look in the New Testament and understand God allows what we allow. So, for, for example, what about when that demon-possessed girl is following the apostles, screaming, these are men of God, these are men of God, these are men of God. Did God just make the demon come out of her? Or did the demon not come out until they were irritated 
and turned around and with their own authority in Christ, cast that demon out of the girl. That's what happened. So God allows what we allow. They allowed that demon possessed girl to follow them and scream and make a scene for all that time before they turned around and rebuked the demon and cast it out. God allows what we allow. What that's right, Sarah, what we bound, what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. There's authority that God's given to you. That's what I'm teaching today. God allows what you allow. Listen, just because you're a Christian, what do you think that just because you're a Christian, there's no more sick Christians because Christ paid for all sickness? No, there are sick Christians and I'm not condemning them. I'm saying that you can be free from sickness and disease, but understand just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to be healed. Doesn't. You have to appropriate healing power by faith and receive and take what's yours. Amen. It's the same as if somebody came to your birthday party, bought you a gift and wrapped it and put it on the gift table. And then you sat there in your chair and said, well, I just don't know why I don't have any gifts. And you're sitting there looking at your wrapped gifts on the gift table and you're sitting at the table next to the cake. I just don't know why I don't have any gifts. I just wish I had, I just wish I had gifts on my birthday. Well, they're right there. They've already been purchased for you. They've already been wrapped for you. Get up, go take a hold of one, rip the wrapping off and enjoy what's inside. Because although they were purchased for you, although they were wrapped up for you and have your name on them, you still have to get up from the table, go take one, open it and make it yours. Amen. And so there's many Christians, many Christians that have lots of gifts from the Lord that are still wrapped on the gift table. So I just wish I had this. I just wish I have that. Stand up and by the faith you have in the word of God, take what's yours by violent faith and appropriate it to your life. Devil can't stop you. All power is given unto me, Jesus said. All power. That means the devil has no more. No more. And then I give unto you authority, all authority over the power of the devil. So we have all authority. You can't have a victim mentality in the kingdom of God. You cannot have, I want you to put it in the comments. I can't have a victim mentality. Pop that up in the comments section. I cannot have a victim mentality, not in the kingdom, not in life, not as a believer. You can't, because you're not a victim. How can you be victorious and a victim at the same time? Doesn't even make sense, does it? How can you be victorious and a victim at the same time? No, you're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer through Christ Jesus. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We already have the victory. I'm not fighting for it. I'm fighting from it. Hey, Lilia. There's my man, Pastor Aaron Butler. Love you, buddy. He said, you can move faith or move by excuses, but you can't be, be moved by both and receive. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's my friend, Pastor Aaron Butler. He's doing an amazing job out in California. Thank God for our California pastors that are standing up. Can't have a, a victim mentality. You can't do it. The power of God operates through faith. And if you've got a mentality, that's why it's so important that we understand that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The apostles said, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we believe, therefore we speak. We speak what we believe. And that's what faith is. It's not just a feeling. It's a mindset. It's an understanding of what you've heard in the word of God. And then it's a confession and it's an action that match up with what you believe about the word. Faith without works is dead, being alone. And so that's what we do, is that we appropriate the promises of God by faith and we watch as God gives us the victory. We speak what we believe. We don't speak what we see all around us. We don't watch Fox News and repeat it. 
We don't watch CNN and repeat it. We don't listen about the economy from the world's perspective and repeat it. So, well, I guess it's going to be, we're going to have to hoard this year. It's going to be kind of a tight year. No, my provision, your provision is based on where I'm seated, not on what I see. Hallelujah. It's based on where we're seated, not on what we see. My healing is not based on the natural realms, based on where I'm seated in heavenly places, far above all rule, dominion, authority, and every name that is named, every name, every other name is far below your feet. That includes names of diseases. If it's got a name, it's under your feet, far under your feet, far under your feet. Hallelujah. Bible teaches that. Seated us up in heavenly places with Christ far above, far. I love that thought. You're not a little bit above rule and dominion and authority and every name that's named. So let me, let me go back to this. So if Jesus, I got sidetracked on the Job thing for a little bit, but you need to understand that because Job's not a comparison to you. So Jesus is on the earth, exact imprint of God's nature. Love you, Miss Cynthia Norick. Exact imprint of God's nature, right? And then he's walking around the earth, healing the sick, casting out devils, raising the dead. There was never a time somebody came to Jesus for healing. And he said, actually, in your case, I have to leave you this way because my father has made you this way for his purpose. Never did that. Notice that every single time Jesus encountered a sick person with faith or with covenant, he healed them immediately. Immediately. He treated sickness as an enemy. So if it was from God in any of those circumstances, then guess what? Jesus just rebelled against his father's plan. It's just, it's plain to see. It's easy to see. Jesus was not rebellious. Jesus was submitted to the will and the plan of the heavenly father. And, and we know that if you've seen me, you've seen the father. I can only say what I hear my father say. I only do what I see my father do. Jesus was divinely connected to the heavenly father. And so I want you to understand it today that you don't see those pictures in the New Testament, especially the Gospels, because that's not how God operates. He doesn't send evil things to his children. And if you don't understand that you've got authority in Christ, if you don't understand that these things, you've got power over them, authority over them. In fact, it's interesting because if you went back and read the King James Version, it does a very poor job very poor job of, of translating that verse in the King James from the uh, Greek language. Um, because let me show you what I mean by that. I'll pull it up and then I'll, and then I'll uh, give it to you. Yeah, exactly, Johnny. Easiest uh, theology lesson anybody could ever have. God is good. The devil is bad. God is good. And the devil is bad. Let me give this uh, to you here. Hold on. <clears throat> Luke ten nineteen. I wanted to just give it to you in a couple translations so that you can see what I'm talking about. Go with me to Luke ten nineteen. Luke ten nineteen. Now I'm reading it to you first in the King James Version. The Bible says in the King James version of Luke 10, 19, behold, Jesus is speaking, by the way, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You see that in the King James version, the translators used the word power twice. I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The problem is that in the Greek manuscripts, 
It's not the word power twice. It's not accurately translated there. I'm going to show you what I mean. If we were to turn to Luke 10, 19 and look at the Greek words, then we would see that the first word for power is not the same Greek word as the second word for power. Let me read it to you here and and show you the Greek words. Behold, I give unto you exousia. That's the first word, exousia. But that doesn't mean just like power, like you think strength, like I bench pressed in the spiritual gym until I got all the strength. It's not talking about power strength. It's talking about authority, privilege or force of authority, delegated influence. Ooh, that's a good way to look at it. Delegated influence. Put that word, those two words in the comments. Delegated influence. I give unto you exousia. Exousia. That is authority. Delegated influence. Doesn't mean strength or power. For what? I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. Now, the word power there the second time is the word dunamis. That's the word dunamis. That actually does mean, uh, you know, supernatural power or force. That is talking about supernatural strength, supernatural power. For example, this word is used again in the book of Acts, where the Bible says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall receive power power, dunamis. It's where we actually, uh, we have a, a, a forming of that word in the etymology, dynamite, dynamite. And you shall receive dunamis after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's supernatural force or strength, but it's not the same as the word before it, exousia. You'll receive authority. And so in Luke 10, 19, Notice what Jesus did. He gave the apostles authority over all the power of the devil. You know what's so great about that? If you didn't see it, the thing that's so great about it is that with authority, you don't have to wrestle. All you have to do is speak. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All you got to do is speak. All you have to do is make a motion. I, I love it. Brother Hagen used to use the analogy of a, a, a police officer directing traffic. That's how he used to u- use this. And he'd say, you know, the, the authority, it's delegated influence. Well, who's it delegated from? From the state that deputized the police officers. That's where they get their authority from. It's backed up by state government. And so if the traffic light were to go out, and they're standing at the intersection, what are they doing? So they're holding this onward traffic stop. You come on. Now, let me ask you the question. Could the police officer actually go up to an F-150 and put his hands on the hood? And if the driver said, no, I'm going, can the officer just push and push and hold that truck back? No. No, he could not. No, he couldn't. But why does the truck stop then? Because the officer has authority. Officer has authority. And so he can put his hand up to a whole line of cars because he has authority and they have to stop at his hand. He can blow one whistle. He can say one word, stop. And he can tell this group of traffic to go. That's authority. He doesn't have the power to hold back the vehicles, but he's got the authority. He's got the delegated influence. And that's why it's important to understand what the Bible is saying. Jesus said, behold, I give unto you authority. So that's why the King James, it uses it twice, uh, power and power. But if you look in something like the ESV, 
that I use to preach. Notice what it says. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So understand, we've got that same authority like the officers do. Where That's why the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. You don't fight the devil with a gun. You can't fight the devil with a knife. You can't fight the devil with, you know, it doesn't work that way. He, you fight him with the weapons of your warfare, not carnal weapons, but the ones that are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Supernatural force, supernatural authority. Amen. Don't get, that's what I'm teaching us today. Don't get this wrong. Don't get this wrong. Because here's where I see, if I ever, and I, and I mean this, please hear me. If you haven't shared this broadcast, please share it. It needs to be said. If you're listening to me on this podcast today, please share this on your social medias. Because this needs to be heard by every Christian. Every Christian. This is why many fail. If I see Christians struggling... If I see them going from issue to issue, crisis to crisis, problem to problem, and it's constant, I mean 99.7% of the time, it's because they don't know who they are in Christ. I promise you, now, now 20 years in the ministry, I can promise you, I can promise you, <laughs> that's what it is. Almost every single time. If they live a life of struggle, if they live a life of defeat, if they live a life where they're never free, you know what the issue all, almost always is? They don't know who they are in Christ. That's why as I'm preparing these, um, some of you don't know, but we're on television now and it's going on all over the world. And um, we're preparing this digital discipleship course that's going out for anybody that gets saved, no matter where they get saved from in the world, they can instantly with one or two clicks through our website, uh, access digital discipleship courses, next steps program that I'm developing. And that's why one of the massive things that I'm getting ready to teach in this discipleship program is knowing who you are in Christ. If you know who you are in Christ, you understand your righteousness then you've got the whole thing on lock. The whole thing. You don't let the devil do what he wants to do. You know how to tell him to get out of your house. You know how to tell him to stop touching your body, stop harassing your children, stop messing with you. You know how. Why? Authority in Christ. That's right, Sarah. We're not supposed to look like this world broken down and defeated. And so the reason that one of the main things I'm doing in this discipleship package is I need them to understand who they are in Christ so that they're not like most Christians in, the, in, the, in America who come down to the altar, they feel bad, they give their heart to Jesus Christ, and every single week they're at the altar again giving their heart to Jesus. You know why? Nobody's brought, they don't understand, nobody's trained them up, nobody's discipled them. To let them know what righteousness is. It's a position of righteousness. You don't have to get righteous every single week. You receive Christ. And if you make a mistake, you don't have to get saved all over again. You ask for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9. If we will confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. And so, they need to understand these things. We need to understand. We are uh, united with Christ. Whoo, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost on this message today. Somebody needs to shout wherever you are and understand you are one with Christ. You're united with him. You have his authority. You have his power. You have his glory. You've got his position. All the things the devil wanted but could never have, Christ gave to you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. All the things the devil wanted, but could never have, Christ gave to you. I will be like the Most High. No, you won't, but I'll make man in my image and likeness. 
I'll be seated on a throne. No, you won't, but I'll raise man up and seat him in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. All the things the devil wanted, God slapped him out of heaven and then said, let's create man in our image and likeness and then gave us all the things the devil wanted just to rub it in the devil's face. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. And that's who you are today. Blessed and highly favored because you've been made in the image and likeness of God and you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And so if you're struggling... It's time to get this thing in your pure understanding that this needs to be driven into your spirit. I'm not like the world. I'm not like anybody else. I've got authority over the devil. I've got authority over every issue, every problem. No weapon formed against me can prosper. I've got the ability to be an overcomer every single day by day by day by day. In Jesus name, day by day by day by day. It's not up one day, down the next. It's not roller coaster Christianity. No, no, absolutely not. It's never ending increase. In fact, that's the last thing I'll have you put in the comments today. Never ending increase is mine. When you understand this, you begin to realize never ending increase is yours. In Jesus name, never ending increase increase is yours. Mm -hmm. And you're victorious. You are victorious. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. Keep writing it and believe it and believe it. Thank you, Jesus. Never ending increase is mine. That's exactly right. That's it, Cynthia. Jaden, Raywin, Christina, thank you, Lord Jesus. And I'm going to pray for you today because here's the thing. We're not, I've, I've already told you. Hey, Becky, I've already told you. We're not going to struggle through 2021. We're not trudging through 2021. We're not crawling through 2021. We're not weeping through 2021. We're running through 2021. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run, not grow weary. They'll walk and they shall not faint. Hallelujah. They shall not faint. That's going to be our story for this entire year. That's what we're running in. So I'm praying for you. If you didn't know it, go back and listen to this again and again. Let's do it two, three times. Get it in your spirit. You've got authority. You've got authority in Jesus name. Father, I pray for every person listening to me watching me. I pray in the mighty name that's above every name that you would strengthen them today. Strengthen them today. Strength. I pray that this message right here built their faith to another level. Thank you that your word declares faith comes by hearing every person that's participating in this broadcast or podcast, their faith is on another level. And we expect to see quick turnarounds in this year, Lord, we know that you've got the ability to do all things well. And so we expect turnarounds. We expect to see the goodness of God every single day of 2021. We thank you for never ending increase by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus name. Lord, if there is anything that's been coming against my uh, family, the victory tribe, I rebuke it today in the mighty name of Jesus. Loose your grip off of God's people and let them go today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you. We give you praise and glory for it in Jesus mighty name. And everybody throw some fire or hands in the comments and shout aloud. Amen. Come on, shout aloud. Amen. If you know it's yours today in Jesus name. <clears throat> Listen, we jumped into February <clears throat> and I'm encouraging you right now. If you want to have authority over poverty and lack this year, you want to see debts canceled, you want to see things turn around, sow a seed by faith today. Sow a seed by faith. We're in a new month. We're getting ready to run in a new way. Sow a seed by faith. And watch as God does what he said he would do as you sow your seed. Here's what I want you to do. Those of you watching or maybe you're listening on the podcast if you are listening on the podcast, you can swipe up to the description. There's links in the description 
where you can click and sow a seed. Those of you that are watching live right now or on the replay, the information's on the screen. You can go to miracleword.com. You can use PayPal or Cash App or Venmo, all that's there. If you're in the comments of Facebook or Periscope, which by the way is going away on March 31st, I guess it's gonna become Twitter Live, uh, you can use hashtag donate in the comments section on Facebook, Periscope, or Twitter. And I want to encourage you to sow a seed in partnership. Ask the Lord, what can I do on a monthly basis? What can I do? I've prayed and asked the Lord to attach a thousand people to this ministry in stage one that would sow $85 or more every single month. Ask the Lord, is that me? Are you calling me to do that? You know what that is? That's as easy as a cell phone bill, a cable bill to preach the gospel around the world, to feed hungry children around the world, hundreds. And now to touch people in over 100 nations of the world. It's supernatural. And you have the ability to be a part of what God's doing through Miracle Word Ministries. Carolyn and I love and appreciate you. But God's answering our prayer because God is attracting people to this ministry who are being blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed by standing with us. They're doing what the Lord's asked them to do. And I'm going to ask you to do the same. What can you do by faith? Maybe you're watching, you're like, man, at this point, I can really only stand with you at $50 a month. Maybe there's many of you that can do $85 a month. Maybe some, a hundred, 500 a month. We have people that are sowing a thousand dollars a month, believing that this world's going to be shaken before it's too late. See, the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And if you want to partner with us, I see Rose asking on Facebook, how do I become a partner? You can go to our website, miracleword.com. And there's a partner button on the website. And when you, when you go there, it'll take you to a page where you can create your own account And you can choose how much you'd like to sow. You can choose when you'd like to do it. It's all customizable. You can log in and change it or adjust it, whatever you'd like to do. Go to miracleword.com and click on the partner button. It'll take you to that page. Create an account and you can do it. uh, And and you have control of all of your own uh, seeds that you're sowing. For those that like to uh, mail a check, our Uh, mailing address is at the footer of every page on the website and you can find it there. But I'm telling you, this is important. Jesus is coming soon. We don't have time to play games and we're on a mission from God. We are on a mission from God and you're a part of that. God has drawn you. It's not an accident that you're here watching daily. It's not an accident that you're listening to the podcast. God has drawn us together. He's teamed us up. That's why I call you the victory tribe. He's teamed us up for this end time harvest of souls. And I thank God for you. For those that are sowing $85 or more in the month of February, we got a blessing for you. Get ready for this. We're going to be sending you this book by Brother Kenneth Hagin, Understanding the Anointing. This is such a phenomenal book. This is one that every Christian needs to read. Every Christian needs to have in their library. For your seat of $85 or more in the month of February, understanding the anointing. All you have to do is you sow your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, as you see on the screen right now, and you can tell us how you sowed and then give us your address so that we know where to send this book. If you already have it, we'll have some other options uh, in the drop down menu on the offer page, if you already own um, Understanding the Anointing, be a couple of other things. But that, if you've not read that, trust me when I tell you, that's a life-changing book. Every Christian who is anointed needs to understand the power and the operation of the anointing. And so that's our gift to you in the month of February. And then, of course, for everybody that is sowing at the level of $1,000 or more, I'm including as my gift to you with that book a life application study Bible in genuine leather in the New Living Translation. One of the greatest resources and tools available to you right now. It's the number one uh, study Bible, I believe, in America. It might, might be in the world, I have to check again, but I know in America, it's the number one study Bible that's being sold. 
And uh, you can't hardly find these genuine leather in bookstores anymore. They're just not providing them. But we have a direct relationship with Tyndale Publishing House, and uh, they send them to us. We're going to be a blessing to you as well. I love you guys. Now, listen, all this week we're in revival still here in Roswell, Georgia at World Harvest Church. My father's preaching. There's going to be prophetic words all released all week long. You don't want to miss these meetings. Every night, tonight, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. New York City time. We're on the East Coast, and so you can adjust it wherever you are in the world. But you need to be in these meetings. If you can't get to the church, tune in on Facebook, on YouTube, on Periscope, and be a part. Tonight, we're going again. I'll be live with you all morning, every morning this week, all week long, 10.30 a.m., New York City time. We need to spend time in the presence of God and get what God has for us. It's going to be such a supernatural month, February. I started shouting yesterday in the service in the morning, fire in February, fire in February. And I'm just telling you, I am believing God. Every trap of the enemy that was sent against us is going to be burnt up in February with the fire of the Holy Ghost. We're not adjusting our route. We are moving forward. He's making the crooked places straight. And anything the devil laid in our path is being burned up with fire in February. I'm just declaring it. You can believe it if you want. Don't believe it if you don't want. I receive it. And I'm going to see it in Jesus' name. Thank you for hanging with me today. Share this with somebody and, and let them see that we have authority in the Holy Ghost. I love you so much. I'll see you again tonight, 7 p.m. Be blessed. Have a great day. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.